Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 122 of Selling the Couch. This is a bittersweet episode because... I am going to be taking a little bit of a break from selling the couch for the next month. This is something that I've put intentionally into my schedule uh, to take a break every June and from the week of Thanksgiving all the way through December, just so that uh, I can practice what I preach in terms of self-care and also just uh, focus on in terms of what I'm doing well with STC and the ways that I can continue to to serve you guys and the ways that I can be thoughtful in terms of how we can grow while also not overwhelming myself. So grateful for you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Today's podcast is a conversation that I really hope encourages you, inspires you to think outside the box of what we can do as private practitioners and as business owners. My guest is Nicole Laloya, and Nicole is a licensed clinical social worker, and she has been doing some amazing things out of New Jersey in terms of creating multiple income streams and really thinking about how she's been able to scale her business in some pretty amazing ways. And in today's podcast, we're actually talking all about how we can scale our businesses and create multiple income streams so that we're not always dependent on, as I imagine all of us love the people we serve, but having a trading time to create income as a sole way of creating income so that we're not sort of dependent on that one income stream. Before we do get to today's podcast conversation, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the folks over at Theranest for supporting this month's podcast episodes. Theranest is affordable private practice management software that's been used by thousands of our colleagues, including several in the Selling the Couch community. Uh, if you've been thinking about uh, moving over to electronic records and are looking just for an affordable, high quality and uh, respected software solution, check out Theranest. If you go through um, this special link, that's just so that they can apply this coupon code, but it is sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest. You get the first month free and then you get 20% off the first three months after that first month. So we will get right to today's podcast conversation. It's a good one. I hope you've got your pen, pencil, and uh, notepads ready. Here's my conversation with Nicole Laloya at NicoleLaloya.com. 
Hi, Nicole. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, uh, we are, I guess, state neighbors and having an important conversation because I think once I realized that creating multiple income streams was possible in this day and age, I don't know, it kind of blew my mind. <laughs> so I know, right? At first, I, I just couldn't understand it. Like, why would I want to do anything else but see one-to-one clients? Like, I didn't even want to really do groups originally mm-hmm. back in the day. So, you know, but I think it is so important to really get a solid foundation of income, you know, multiple ways. I will never forget this conversation that I had with a supervisor when I was an intern. And it was just, and I think I've mentioned this before, but supervisor would say, hey, Melvin, if there's anything that you take away, just always remember to have your hand in multiple pots when it comes to income streams as you get licensed as you go forward. Oh my gosh, how lucky that you had someone to kind of give you that heads up. Most of us don't. Yeah, no, I felt very fortunate. At the time, I was like, I just want to get my hours. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you're like, I just want a client. Yeah, I just need to take the EPPP, okay? <laughs> so, right. But we're being like, you know, we're joking about it. But truth be told, like, I had never heard of the word scale, right? Unless it's like something that takes, you know, our right. check our weight on, right? Right. But there's this word scale in the business world, in the online business world. What does it exactly mean? So when you think about scaling your business, you're really thinking about, you know, building a bigger business, moving away from that solo practitioner business type of business model that so many of us really, that's the only one we really think of or know when we're therapists or social workers or counselors or psychologists, you know, that's typically what we think about is just kind of being a solo practitioner. But the truth is that, you know, it's just not really feasible anymore to only have that kind of business. It's really a stressful way to run a business. So scaling a business is about, you know, bringing in multiple income streams. It's not about building like a seven figure empire. It doesn't have to be that complicated. But I think it's about really bringing in alternate income streams, some that don't require you to be with people trading dollars for hours. And that allow you to also hire support, hire help, outsource tasks that you don't like so that you can focus on the things that you really do and focus on the tasks that you really want to be spending your time on. Lots of golden nuggets in this. So I'm just going to break it down a little bit. But like you said, this idea of like outsourcing and figuring things out, that's what scaling allows us to do. And I have references before, but like this concept of working in our business versus on our business, right? And I think as practitioners, we are, I guess we're technicians, right? So we have this certain skill set. And I think what comes naturally to us is trying to do everything with our own jobs. Yes, like being the ultimate problem solver. Which I think initially it's fine, you know, because there may just be circumstances. But I think in terms of long term, both just from, I think, from a business perspective, but from a, a personal health perspective, it's just not very sustainable. It's not really sustainable. And it's it's honestly even hard to really build up financial stability that way right. for the long term. Right. Because you're so dependent on even if, I guess, practically, like even if you raise fees, there's only still a certain, like you're still going to hit this sort of uh, ceiling in a way, right? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, raising fees is is one great thing to do. But you know, some of us do live in areas where we need to take insurance companies and things like that, or we want to. And you know, you're not able to raise your own fee when you do that. 
Why is scaling so important in the helping and healing profession? Well, that's what I think is really great about scaling is you really are able to serve more people. And I know that more isn't always better, but I think it's really about being able to serve more people with the work that you actually want to be doing. So just for example, like a lot of times I see a lot of therapists get caught up in like outsourcing billing and paperwork. And, you know, yes, you have to pay for that, but it's so worth it because if you save five hours a week doing that, you know, that's five more clients you can see. So even that is allowing you to scale. Yeah, that's interesting. It's such a different way of looking at it. So uh, you just said it, but it was like such subtle thing. So looking at the hours that it takes to do a certain task, right? And, mm-hmm. and thinking about, I guess, the if we were to outsource that or delegate that to somebody else, what's the return on investment, right? Right, for sure. So I mean, I almost think like, if we were to pay someone an X amount, but we really make that in one or two hours, then it's probably worth it, right? Absolutely. If you're paying someone to do five hours worth of work, and you only need to do one hour of work to pay that person, why wouldn't you do that? Well, for me, because I'm a control freak. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But that's where I think people really get burnt out by doing those like little things that are just like going to really drain you after a little while. Like in the beginning, it seems fine and easy. And it's like, oh, saves a couple dollars. And I don't have enough clients, but you know, I think that scaling is about looking at the long-term profitability of your business, not living month to month. And I think that's what too many therapists who have solo businesses are doing. They're like, how am I going to make, you know, $5,000 this month? How am I going to make $10,000 this month? And they're stuck in that month and having a good month. And this is about, you know, giving up a little control for long-term profit and stability. I joke about it, but like, selling the couch, the first 13 episodes, I did everything for selling the couch, right? So everything from reaching out to guests to to scripting what solo episodes look like to editing to creating short work to putting on social media, everything. And like, one, I, I wanted to learn sort of the nuances and what goes into it. But by session 13, I was like, you know, there's no way that this is going to grow if I just keep spending hours and hours on stuff on tasks that one, I'm not as good at. Right. <laughs> right. That uh, make us feel bad too. We're like, I hate this. Yeah. It could like spoil the good parts of our job and our business. Yeah, absolutely. I would say like my first big decision was hiring a podcast editor and it was terrifying. And because I was like, can they do as good of a job? What if this is my baby? You know, like, mm-hmm. but looking back, definitely one of the smartest decisions I started making. And now it's like, I've become, you know, I've been able to like now outsource a bit more. So I now have a VA that helps me. I have a website person that helps me. I use a graphic person that occasionally help me on stuff. And I, I don't know, it's just been so liberating, I think, looking back, because it's not that I don't, it's not like STC has grown. It's not that I do more work. It's more that I think I just work smarter. If that makes sense. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and like you said, how long do you think, how many episodes have you done now? Oh gosh, uh, we're at, well, we're recording 122. So yeah. Right. I mean, do you think you would make it to 122 or <laughs> how great would your quality of life and enjoyment be about this if you were still doing everything that you did for the first 13? 
Yeah, I honestly think I don't think I would have because one, I think I would have burnt out or two, right. I would have been bitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just like the, I know we keep talking about this, but like, I just think about like the space that it opened up, right? Like the space that opened up, it allowed me to launch healthcasters. It allowed me to reach out to sponsors. It helped me to spend time in the community, just getting like things that I love doing, you know? Right. I wanted to shift a little bit and just make a little bit more personal because I, I feel like I'm hoping this resonates with folks, but many of us have had this like very critical event where we realize that trading time to create income as the only means of creating income is just not sustainable. For me, that was like this crazy blizzard a couple of years ago when I was in a group practice and realizing, you know, 40 inches of snow and a couple of days of cancellations and hundreds of dollars in lost income as we were saving up for the down payment on our first house, it made me realize this isn't sustainable. You know, I was stressed out and overwhelmed. What was that for you? I mean, I actually don't think it was a critical incident like that. But I think it's just more of, you know, the where I live and just general, you know, general life stuff. So I live in a really expensive area, right outside New York City. And I'm single. So I have no one else to depend on. So it's very stressful if you only have one income source that way. Yeah, because it's all dependent on you. Yeah, it's all dependent on you. And you know, I need to be able to make more money than I can just in the hours I work for a good quality of life, a great quality of life. So I feel like I would probably do this, which is I realize I would be in your situation, realize I live in an expensive area. And realize I have to have a certain level of income and mm-hmm. I would probably get really overwhelmed. Right? right. So how did you like work through that? Like that initial thing? Cause I think sometimes it could even be, okay, maybe I'll just take on more clients. Right. And right. So how did you kind of break through that barrier? So I think that I, I realized early on, I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like shortcuts. So truthfully, I just kind of Googled and did research and I really hired a mentor a supervisor, a coach who had business experience and who really kind of helped me see, just like you said, with your supervisor, who really kind of helped me see like what I could do to scale more quickly and make income more quickly. So I think it was kind of getting that outside perspective and thankfully being lazy and knowing that like I would still be on my couch Googling like how to start a private practice if I didn't get help, (laughs) you know, all these years later. Um, so for me, it's just that I know that I like shortcuts and I know that like I can overthink things. So getting that outside support, I think is what allowed me to scale more quickly. I think as I grow as a person, I think I realize more and more the value of mentorship because Mm -hmm. if anything, it allows us to get out of our heads. Yeah. And I think, like I said, you know, I know that I don't want to figure out everything. I don't want to figure out the tech stuff, you know, and and knowing your faults and knowing your weak areas is a real strength because it allows you to get the help and support you need if you really are committed to your goal. How did you, I guess, did the mentor kind of help you identify your strengths and sort of like, and the weak areas? Or how did you figure that out? You know, I think that, well, I think that I knew that my weakness was that I really wouldn't take action on building a business or build, taking it serious. And I knew that I hated working for other people. I hadn't had a full-time job in years. I kind of just had a bunch of per diem things cobbled together. So I kind of was already entrepreneurial without realizing it. Mm. 
So I think that really, you know, what that taught me was like, get support. If you can't figure something out, don't time is money. You know what I mean? So the more that I would have wasted time researching and getting stuck in that mode, the more money opportunity I would have lost in terms of getting clients, building my own business and adding in new things. So I thought that she had multiple income streams. Um, you know, she had a book coming out. She was doing consulting groups. She had clinicians working under her. So I really saw that she was able to scale and have a variety of things. And I think my eyes were just open to that. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received is if you want to get somewhere, find those who've done it and seek their support. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, that wasn't a real strategy for me. It was just that I was lazy. But now it's become a strategy for me. Laziness or strategy, whatever it is, right? <laughs> the, the key thing is that you move from a place of, which I think a lot of us get stuck in because we're just generally like smart people. You moved out of a place of staying in your head into taking action. Right. And I think that, I mean, therapists, we are very good at staying in our head. Too good. Like amazingly good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think about like just emails I've gotten and conversations I've had and conversations I've seen. I know that many of us struggle with what to focus on as that first income stream, right? I literally have a folder I call the vault, which contains every idea that I want to do, right? Right. And it feels overwhelming. And, but how did you like narrow down to like what that first sort of alternative income stream idea is? Well, I do want to say first, like get your one income stream solid. So get your one-to-one -one client solid. Make sure that it's building up a support system, building up your financial resources so that you're not stressed adding in new stuff and you're not scattered. Because I do think, you know, it's not as easy. It's not as overnight easy as we wish it would be to add in alternate income streams. But I do think that just, you know, make sure you have that one thing solid so you have a good foundation and you're not as stressed trying out other things. Right. I guess have the system and the processes down for that one. And then it sounds like dedicate like a portion of that income into saving up for that other income stream. Is that right? Or just like, you know, you have solid income coming in. So you're not as stressed to get other ones into the mix because mm -hmm. it is really experimental. We don't know what will work and not work. Right. So I think that, you know, if you can know you need at least, you know, 10 clients to reach your goals and pay your bills and that kind of thing, then get that solid and supported. So then you can more easily add other things in. Otherwise, I think we just get distracted. Mm -hmm. And we start spinning our wheels. But I think that some of the easiest income streams to add in are more passive or informational. So, you know, doing a workshop or something like that where, you know, do one day and you have a bunch of people come, you know, and then it can lead back to filling up your practice as well. I think one of my first ones was actually a book of journaling prompts. And I had the book, then I did a course from it. And it wasn't like a huge moneymaker, but it just got me out there and got me doing different things. And like, honestly, that book is still on Amazon and I get payments from it every month. So it's fun, you know? Yeah, it's something that's like very liberating once you have that first income stream and you're realizing, especially when you hit, like when you find something that's actually serving people and creating income for you. Right. So I imagine at that moment, like before you created the journal, like I imagine you were maybe you had other ideas, right? Or was that just the one? Okay. You know, it's like I knew that I needed other things, yeah. but I wasn't really sure 
what that would be. You know, I knew about courses, I knew about groups, but it was always, like I said, I've been trained to think like one-to-one clients, one-to-one clients. So by then I did have one-to-one, you know, therapy clients. And I also had some coaching clients, but I still didn't have that, you know, but it was still the same income streams in a way, two different businesses, but same type of income stream where it required that, you know, dollars per hour sort of thing. I mean, and the book is nice because And I think we're saying this without like saying it, which is, I don't know, at least I've learned there's no such thing as 100% passive income, right? It requires some sort of maintenance, even writing a book, right? Usually what it is, is it takes time on the front end Mm -hmm. to create this. And then it's the financial aspect of it is sort of on the tail end of it. Yeah. And that's why I really recommend having that steady stream of income from one source and then building in the other. So there's not that, you know, scarcity or fear mode about like this needs to work right now. Nicole, I want to get really like practical, which is two things like, what would you say are your top three kind of tips that you've picked up along the way in terms of creating multiple income streams? So one, like you really have to be able to dedicate time for it. So I really recommend having a day, you know, wherever you can, either each month or a week, you know, it is for you to work on your business and start doing those other things. And I really recommend that you like batch your tasks that day. So, you know, batch your writing one day of the month, if it's a book, you know, then batch your research another day, you know, and make sure you're focusing on all your energy towards that one task so you don't get so scattered. Uh, what is batching mean? It means like doing the same task repeatedly. So you would, you know, do all the writing one day, then that you would go back and you would do all the editing another day. So you're constantly getting in that same mindset and you're not wasting time multitasking or going back and forth. Right. Because that sort of shifting from one task to another, that actually takes energy. And it, I guess it can, I've noticed that it just makes me more exhausted. Exactly. It drains you. You know, you're unfocused. You feel like you're not really accomplishing anything because you're trying to do 10 things at once instead of one thing. So I think that the more you can like back your tasks and your clients and stuff like that, the easier it's going to be to open up time slots, you know, for this other work. So when you schedule in a time, do you like literally put it on like a schedule? Like what do you usually do? Yeah, I think it's really important. And I do advise my clients to have like almost like a master schedule. So where are your client slots? And then you can really easily see, you know, where you have those pockets of time that you can focus on other things. Because otherwise, it sometimes just gets eaten up. You know, it's like, Oh, I'll just check my email real quick, you know, and then suddenly like you're just lost or I'll check Facebook real quick. So you really want to have those pockets of time where you're writing in the task that you're going to do. You're not figuring it out that day in the moment. Yeah. So you're almost like looking at a a big picture view of the day-to-day of your business. Exactly. I found the same thing with open time slots. So like sometimes I think, of course, it's like great to have like open time slots for like self-care. But what I've noticed is if I have like an open time slot that's sort of ambiguous, Usually what happens is I end up getting overwhelmed and I don't do anything. (laughs) I spend the whole time thinking about what should I do? (laughs) Right, right. Oh, there goes that hour. (laughs) So the first one is dedicate time. Now, this is something I've struggled with. I don't know if you struggle with, which is I'll even have like, okay, like this next hour should be dedicated to social media or this next hour should be dedicated to building out a course, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But when I get to that hour... 
I get like distracted, right? Because usually I'm on the computer. Then I like, oh, maybe I'll check my email or check Facebook. Like, do you use any tools or like anything like that? I know like rescue time was one I've heard of. Like, do you use anything like that to sort of just focus? Well, I think that really what you can do too is that you can really... I think it's, I'm not sure if it's rescue time, but even you can use something like toggle, T-O-G-G-L dot com. And like for a week, just track your time and what you're doing, because you're going to suddenly see that you have a lot more time that's like bleeding out and leaking than you realize. And I mean, I do think that this is about being the boss of yourself too. You have to really be a boss to scale. You can't be that technician anymore. You know what I mean? And even if you do need to be a technician part-time as you see clients, you need to be scheduling that boss CEO time where you're, you know, being real with yourself about your workload and, and where your weaknesses are and where you're wasting time. Yeah. So like I've mentioned this book before, but like the E-Myth Revisited and they, this book talks a lot about the idea of there's three roles that all of us play, which is the technician, the manager, and the CEO. And I think what you're saying is what naturally comes to us is to go 100% as technician, but optimally, we should at least have some sort of a, a one-third, one-third, one-third split. And eventually, as the business scales, it actually may be that more the CEO is the one that sort of takes that that role. Absolutely. And I think it is, you know, it's sort of weird because we're used to getting paid for, you know, dollars for hours or like squeeze in more clients. And I think that's a short term solution. But I think you need that CEO time. No, absolutely. So again, the three tips are schedule time in, batch the writing, and then start to see yourself as more of a a CEO instead of a technician. Exactly. Okay, awesome. And then the other side of it, what would you say are like the top three mistakes that you've made? I think the top three mistakes that I've made are not investing enough in outside help and overthinking things. So you've got to get that outside person. You can't, I see too many people spinning their wheels, overthinking things and staying like, you know, and this is connected to the overthinking is like being in that research mode, Googling things. Like I said, they got I'm lazy and I'm willing to pay people to tell me shortcuts because I think I would still be on the couch Googling mm-hmm. practice, like creating a practice. You know, and back when I started, there wasn't as many resources like you weren't around. You know, there's amazing resources now. So it's even easier to get great information, but to get stuck in it. So like, you know, I think that three mistakes are so the third mistake, I believe, would be really expecting that you need to do everything, you know, and like keeping too much control. Uh, the dilemma of the entrepreneur, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I want to dive a little bit deep into each of those. So not investing in outside help. So I guess, how did you work through that initial kind of hurdle of there's no one that can do this as well as me? Right. Well, I think that initially it was that I started by investing in things that I couldn't do. So like I said, the course, the journaling course and book was one of the first things Mm -hmm. that I built as passive income or extra income. So like, I just couldn't design it. I don't know how, you know what I mean? And I was not interested. I knew it would take me forever if I had to learn some kind of like Photoshop or something like it just wasn't going to happen. My drawings still look like kindergarten pictures. Like there's no way. So, you know, I think that in that situation, it was that I really didn't know how to do the things and I had no interest in learning in them. So I had to make the choice to make that investment, knowing there's no guarantee that I would sell a single book, you know, and I just had to hope that it would work out. Yeah, no, absolutely. We talked about the the role of sort of finding an outside person. And it, and it sounds like the, the key thing is 
someone that can get us out of our heads, someone that's actually done this, right? So that Mm -hmm. we're not trying to like, I guess, reinvent the wheel kind of idea. Exactly. And also like, it's just not feasible for us to learn everything, you know, it's, it would be like us trying to learn every kind of therapy strategy out there. And then, you know, you try to help everyone and you don't feel great because you're not using your best skill set. Well, you just said something which I think is so true because I think we're such thinkers and usually learners. I think for us as clinicians, this aspect is the thing that we have to be really careful about because at least for me, the usual thing is, Oh, I like Photoshop. Oh, look at this book on Photoshop or look at this tutorial. (laughs) I can do Photoshop, right? Not realizing that there are people that spend years getting a degree and, you know, I know, or like not even. And honestly, it's usually like, I think people get so caught up or like think it's going to be so expensive. There's so many options to find people to do stuff. And it's usually not that expensive. What are some of the other like resources that you've used to find folks? So I definitely, you know, ask my entrepreneur friends who they're using and who they help. And that's how I got my current assistant, who's a dream. And I really would never get anything done without her. But, you know, I asked around and I asked my friends who they were using. But I've also, you know, looked at things like Upwork or Fiverr for really quick projects. And I think that's what's great is like you can just start with a quick project. Yeah, like there's reasonable things. And it's not like you need to jump in like full on, right? You can just see how it feels. Right. Like I started with the book project. And then I ended up just, you know, hiring her for a few hours each month. And like, once again, I think that, you know, know your limitations and be real with yourself about them. And I think that because I was able to be honest with myself about my attention span and things like that, I was able to really get the work done better and invest in that help. And know that it wasn't going to happen if I didn't do that. Yeah. Nicole, this has just been, I felt like this conversation flew by. <laughs> uh, this has just been wonderful. Like I hope, and I know that just thinking in this way, I think it's going to help a lot of our field. Just think about what we can do. And I think this is what I've realized is we have such a unique skill set that really we're in the self-help, like in the I'm not saying we do self-help, but just in that general area, like that's Mm -hmm. a very like in-demand market. And we have a specific skill set that's easily translatable into these different income sources. Yes. There's so many opportunities out there for us, but we have to be real with what we can do and how we can actually follow through on these things. Awesome. Uh, Nicole, how can folks get in contact with you and get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me. I'm on all social media at Nicole Laloya. And they can also come to my website, which is Nicole Laloya, L-I-L-O-I-A dot com. And I also recommend if they're looking to get started and really, you know, be a CEO, be a boss, get that mindset that they grab a free guide that I created, which is Batch Like a Boss. So it's NicoleLaloya.com forward slash batch like a boss. And it's going to tell you 20 tasks in there that you can start batching in your business. Because I do hear a therapist all the time, overwhelmed by the admin, overwhelmed by the clients. So this is going to teach you how to do the, the repetitive tasks together so that you free up a lot of energy and space in your schedule for some of these fun, you know, fun, passive income opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. Nicole, uh, grateful for you. Grateful for the work you're doing. Uh, grateful we're neighbors. And uh, yes, I'm hoping that we can connect actually uh, live at some point. 
Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nicole and hope that it's given you some new ideas in terms of how to create income streams for your business. But more than giving you new ideas, I hope that it's motivated you to actually take action. For me, that's always been the hardest thing. And I hope that it's yeah given you that extra push if you've got a an other income stream idea that you've been thinking about. Nicole mentioned a download that you can check out. And again, you can find that at NicoleLaloya.com forward slash batch like a boss. That's an awesome title, by the way. But you know, I think learning to outsource and figuring out how to strategically outsource is one of the best decisions that we can make as small business owners. You know, there were just so many things. To be honest, like my mind was just kind of going in all sorts of different directions with ideas as I was having my conversation with Nicole. And I think one thing that really stood out to me and that I just want to encourage you is, you know, truth be told, just going through gosh, five years of grad school and and practicums and internship and a postdoc, I just always envisioned serving clients in either a one-to-one couples format and maybe a group. And I think where my mindset started to shift was that snowstorm. But I think I just remember being so wrecked when, I don't know, I'm getting emotional, but I just remember being so wrecked when that snowstorm happened and wondering like how I was going to be able to support our family. And and I don't know if you're in a place where something like that has happened, but I hope today's podcast conversation really just encourages you to think outside the box because I struggled with this idea of creating multiple income streams, right? Whether it would be authentic, all of these things. And what I came to realize is that we truly can serve people in a different way, you know, and come from a place of heart-centeredness and of kindness and still continue to serve. Yeah. So I guess that's all I want to say about that. I I think it's just such a, a passion for mine because I think once I realized that it is possible to do this, I, I just think it, it changed my life. You know, I alluded to this in my conversation with Nicole, but I feel like I just work smarter, not harder now. And I think a big part of this is realizing that that I can do so much with more with my career than just seeing clients. I love seeing clients, but seeing that I've been gifted in other ways. And I imagine that for each of you, that's going to be the case. We're just naturally just a talented bunch. Show notes to today's episode and some of the resources that Nicole mentioned can be found at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number one, two, two. As we wrap up, uh, again, I just wanted to thank the team over at Theranest for just being such a wonderful source of support for the podcast. There's definitely, as you guys imagine, there are costs to producing STC and sponsors like Theranest make this possible. Um, they're an affordable private practice management software for solo and group practices. Uh, you get a number of things like unlimited staff accounts, um, if you have multiple locations for your practice, no templates and storage. And if you work with insurance, you can actually submit insurance claims through their software. You can also accept credit cards and create invoices. And if you're an out-of-network provider, you can do things like super bills. They actually also have this really cool add-on client feature where clients can actually submit intake forms and even schedule with us. So speaking of just working in our business versus on our business, right? A program like this definitely, I think, 
handles some of those things where we don't have to be going back and forth on this. So you can learn more about Their Nest and just the work they're doing in the world at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Their Nest. And again, that gives you your first month absolutely free and then 20% off the following three months after that. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. As I reflect on this season of STC, this has just been an amazing journey. Uh, It's been so humbling. As you guys may know, Selling the Couch literally started with an idea in the shower, which then I proceeded to get terrified and did nothing with for almost five months. But it's been amazing to see where the, the podcast and the blog has grown. Community has grown. Our Facebook community, which if you haven't joined, you can join at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community, has over 5,000 members in it now. The podcast just topped 300,000 downloads in 108 countries all around the world, which is amazing and truly humbling that someone would take the time to listen to my voice. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. June is going to be a little bit of a break. It's also going to be a time where I'm just focusing on on working on my next big project, which is uh, the Selling the Couch directory. I just, as I've had so many of these conversations and read your emails and just, I think one thing I've just noticed is how isolated we can be as private practitioners and how difficult it can be to build relationships and to get that support with other colleagues. And uh, my hope is that the directory makes this a lot easier. And I wanted to make it easier for us to be able to connect. Um, There's also some really cool features with it that I haven't announced, but uh, I think will be well worth the uh, investment that you put in. Right now, I think uh, we're about halfway there. Actually, we're a little over halfway. But uh, if you want to be part of the early founders lifts, there is a steep, super steep discount. Um, you can learn more at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. Thank you again for your support and have a wonderful rest of the month and the rest of June. And I will see you back in July. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.